the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid it again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. Hi, my name is Terrence Harris for the Renewing the Mind Ministry, where we focus on the edification of the believers and salvation and sanctification of those who have yet to come to faith in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to talk about the hidden treasure in the field. In most cases, when people find oil or they strike the ground and they find an oil reserve, they would then survey the land around the area in which the oil was discovered. And with as much money that they have, or as with as many investors that they can find, they will set their hearts and make plans to purchase the field or the area around the oil which was discovered because there's a possibility that if oil is in that spot, that oil may be in the exterior or circumference of the spot in which the oil was first discovered. Oil is a very valuable, not only monetarily, but functionally resource. The treasure hidden in the field as in the parable told by Jesus. The question becomes, why did he hide it again once he found it? Well, to go from hiding it again, then moving to having joy over it, in between, I would say, I believe, in between that area of hiding it again and having joy over it, in having joy over it was a period of examination its authenticity its value its worth its usefulness and once he discovered that the treasure where and once he discovered the person who found the treasure in the field that the treasure embodied all of these characteristics and things and entities he, he he had joy over it like this is something that cannot be purchased or bought doesn't come across easy not easily found you have to strike the ground deeply in order to find oil it is more so or even more so hidden the treasure in the field as told by Jesus in order to come to a place in your heart that I found something worth keeping, worth holding. And the Bible says he then had joy over it, buying the entire field. The question is, is where in your life where you found the treasure in the field when we find the kingdom of heaven that is the treasure in the field and we discern that it is worth selling everything to have the resources to purchase it 
what's being said is that the kingdom of heaven is valuable not only in the area in which we found it but it can have an effect on the relationships we have our mindset our purpose the things we do the things we say on fatherhood on being a husband or a wife when you find Christ by the entire field when you find the kingdom of heaven purchase the entire field meaning everything around your life will be affected by the treasure you found the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven affects your relationship with your spouse the kingdom of heaven affects your relationship with your children how you view your friends how you view your enemies how you view your purpose yourself your identity in Christ in the Lord it affects how you view your work how you live and it exchanges the things that are of no value to you that have no benefit spiritually physically emotionally mentally for me Jesus Christ the kingdom of heaven inspired me to apply inspired me to apply this treasure to other areas of my life so that they would resemble the kingdom of heaven as well when the kingdom of heaven and the giver of it becomes the source or the center of your field in your life all other areas of your life benefit from the treasure let us ask the lord lord where in my life could my life look more like the kingdom of heaven now we know that everybody's not perfect we that we, we know that no one's perfect however however imperfection should not be normalized just because we are not perfect beings in Christ we are still being made into the image of the son we are not perfect so the prayer becomes lord how can my life look more like a treasure that you value how can my life or the areas surrounding my life look more like the kingdom of heaven as much as possible is there anything in me that is hindering thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth or on earth as it is in heaven is there anything concerning my life that i'm doing that the way that i think the way that i speak or treat people the way that i produce or work or believe my faith my my is there anything that is suppressing the experience of the kingdom of heaven in my life not only in my life but that of around if not only in my life but also the lives of those that you've made me responsible over and help me emulate the kingdom of heaven so that the area around the treasure that is you begin to reflect your character your standard 
your love, your peace, your joy, your correction, your rebuke, your faithfulness, your trustworthiness, the worship of you, the honor and fear of you. Is there anything in my life that is hindering that? Lord, help us to get to a place where the area around the kingdom of heaven in our life begins to look like the way that you desire it to look. 77 times 7. That's a number of times Jesus told Peter that he must forgive those who offend him. When we hear that passage, we compare our lives and think about all the people who offended us or did us dirty, did us wrong. And immediately we go to our thought process that, but they don't deserve it. They did this. They don't deserve this. They did that. They don't deserve this. They did that. And we keep them in our, our chamber, our holding cell spiritually to rot, to pay for the consequences of their wrongdoing towards us. But Jesus said to forgive 77 times 7 to honor the Lord, to honor the Father, in that he knows and he knew in the days of Peter that forgiveness is not for the other person from you. Forgiveness from you is for the benefit of your own soul and well-being. Hi, my name is Terrence Harris. This is currently Renewing the Mind Ministry podcast, but we will be converging, we will be converting to a new podcast called Rising Well. But the goal will still be the same. It's for the edification of the believers and for the salvation and sanctification of those who have yet to come to faith in Christ Jesus. So when we look at this 77 times 7, that's a lot of times that we must forgive someone. But did you know that forgiveness and forgiving is not a feeling? It is a knowing. And it is an act out of obedience, not an act of how you feel about a person or where your heart posture is towards a person. See, when you forgive, you side and have the mindset and heart that is in, in agreement and in fellowship and in right standing with the Heavenly Father through Christ. When you do not forgive, the representation of not forgiving it's judgment. 
we understand that those who are not forgiven are due to judgment. These are the words of Christ. Those who are forgiven, alive with Christ by the Holy Spirit, and in due time, eternal life with the Heavenly Father forever and ever. When Jesus was on the cross, he experienced the worst of it. Innocent man, yet being spat on, hit, cursed, accused, mocked. And we think all that Jesus Christ had done, dying a sinner's death, Yet they treated him like he was the worst of criminals. His own people, the people that the Lord sent him to, said, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Let Barabbas free. Crucify this person called Jesus Christ. And we look at our own lives and we realize that life itself is a furnace and a crucible. But the good thing and the good news is that we have a high priest. The good news and the good thing is that we have a high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses and knows the flesh, the trials of the flesh, because Jesus Christ, being fully God, was fully man, walking the earth in the flesh, in the likeness of men. So he was tempted, he was tried, he experienced pain and hunger. And the Bible says that he's a man of sorrows, didn't have a place to lay his head. Even the foxes had holes, even the birds had nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. He experienced cold. He had experienced depression and anxiety to no, to no end. You know how that feels. Yet by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus arose. All power and authority while forgiving those who crucified him on the cross. And in contemporary culture, or even the media representation of Jesus Christ, they have him on a cross, and they have the, the tunic around his waist, and he drops his head in the crowns. But, but keep in mind the scripture where it says that they cast lots and they do dice for his clothing. So yes, Jesus Christ, although he's represented on the TV or movies and films as having the cloth wrapped around his waist, but out of sheer humility for the purpose of utter dishonor, Jesus Christ was actually on the cross naked. There is no other way to be able to cast lots and 
throw dice for his clothes if they're on him on the cross. And so when we think about the hurt that we've experienced by someone and the, the pain and they've caused, and some things are definitely understood where the frustration and the anger and the disappointment and the, and the hurt is present. In addition to that, not to minimize our feelings and our experiences, we forgive, not based on how we feel about the other person, but we forgive desiring to be in right standing, in right heart posture towards our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And as we pray for the other person and pray for ourselves that we honor the Lord in our hearts, in our thinking, in our words towards the other person who hurt us. As we set our desire on pleasing God, the Lord will meet us where we are. And over time, as he works on our heart, the experience might remain, but the pain, the healing process, he will conduct in his hands. It is a consistent asking, it's a consistent statement of, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, help my heart to truly, truly, truly forgive them. Lord, will you please take away the sting of bitterness, of anger, of frustration, of disappointment? that I have towards this other person. Because we do understand, let us understand that the enemy is not created in the image of God. The enemy is the enemy. The enemy is the one who fell from heaven, who hates the image of God. That means he hates God himself, ultimately meaning that he also hates you and me. And so there's a consistent prayer petitioning to the Lord that the devil be removed from the details. Lord, will you remove our Silence the lion, silence the enemies, his accusations, his temptations. Help us to flee from them. Because conviction of the Holy Spirit is leading you to know having intimacy with God's righteousness. 
forgive. Speak it. Earnestly desire it from the Lord that your heart has the ability to forgive. Ask for it. Request it. The God of the universe, the God of all creation, of heaven and earth, omniscient, omnipresent, He's sufficient. He's all-powerful. He has all authority. And since this is true, he has the ability to inject himself into your life situation according to his will according to his good pleasure, according to your wholeness in Christ. Forgive. Forgive until it is true. Forgive until your heart knows that it is well with your soul. Forgive. And do not go to sleep until you have made sure that you've had the meeting with the Father. Letting him know that you want whatever that is in your heart towards a person or a thing or a certain experience to be done away with. Lord, remove the pain, the guilt, the shame, remove the hurt, remove the, the, the condemnation that I'm experiencing, remove the depression, remove the anxiety, Father God, if it is not in your will that I experience this. Show me what to do. Tell me what I need to do. Is it forgiving this person? Is it letting a certain accusation or a certain action that I've experienced or that I've an action that I have done towards some person is there anything that I need to put on your altar that I need to confess to you I will forgive it Job and this is the last thing I'm going to say Job sacrificed To the Lord on the behalf of his sons and daughters, just in case they sinned against the Lord. I'll say that again. Job sacrificed to the Lord. He made petitions of confession and asking for forgiveness. Just in case his children sinned against the Lord. We want a heart like that. And in the midst of being a victim or in the midst of being wronged, that is not our first thought. The first thought is this person needs to pay or I'm going to figure out a way 
to make this person pay for what they did. That is not the way. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Also, the Bible says that do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he will correct, as a father loves the son in whom he delights. If there is a wrong, clear yourself, clear your soul, and leave the work that needs to be done in the situation that is now outside of your control to the work of the Lord, to the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not step out of line attempting to rectify a situation that is in the power and authority of Oni, the living God. Do your part. Forgive. Ask for a healed heart. Ask for God's healing and restoration in your soul so that you may continue to imitate the image of the living Son, Jesus Christ. I pray for you and I love you. Take care. Sin and disobedience, the consequences of these, are spiritual. They're spiritual initially that begin to manifest in your physical life. Many people have done things in their lives that they lived and they presumed or presume that they're just going to take that to the grave and, and not share that with anyone or share that with Christ or share that with Jesus or share that with their loved ones or their friends. They're going to just tuck it away and it's going to be between me and God. The issue with that is that the effects of disobedience and sin runs generationally. So as you approach the grave, the consequences of your actions unconfessed, unaddressed, now approaches those who come after you. Those seeds, the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. And it becomes or will become the pearl of your next generation. You may be gone and be standing before the Father, but your seed now has to address what you refused or did not address in your lifetime. Hi, my name is Terrence Harris, and this is Rising Well, where we focus on the edification of believers and for the salvation and sanctification of those who have yet to come to faith in Christ Jesus. 
There's a Bible verse that says, God is a jealous God, visiting the iniquity, the sin of the fathers upon the children up to the third and fourth generation. I did not know that until maybe a few years, maybe a couple years passed. I'll say it again, but let me put it in plain terms. The sins that you don't address in your lifetime and the effects of them that you try to take to the grave with you, the manifestation of those consequences and sins are now will now show up in the lives of your children and in the lives of your grandchildren and the lives of your great-grandchildren. When we think about the standard and the kingdom living, things like anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, immorality and lust and greed and all of these things, no, though we are not perfect, they are not kingdom standard either. So we don't realize the harm of not coming forth and confessing sins and things done in past time because we don't want people to with some understand with some understanding to know our business but then in my case I had no idea why I entered a season fighting for my life struggling and wrestling against mental illness, depression, psychosis, low self-esteem, anxiety to no end, hopelessness. Where, where did all this come from and why did it jump on me? Why did it approach my doorsteps? I would soon or later on find out that it wasn't uncommon and those who had come before me. And it wasn't linear, this atmosphere, this, uh, this wrestle with this spiritual entity. It kind of jumped around. Meaning it wasn't just represented in the life of my fathers, or if that was the case for them. But cousins, a couple uncles, a couple, this grandmother are, this person over here, and this related into my, in my family. It's like, what is going on? What initiated this atmosphere, this experience? And why did it come to my doorstep? Well, sin and the consequences of it has no favoritism doesn't have favorites. And so 
things as depression and all of the things where where it says the Bible says that sin or the wages of sin causes death. So therefore, the precursor of death is dying. And the precursor of dying is infection. So all of these things ransack the lives of humanity. And I'm understanding them, or it is understood as the consequences of sin active in the world. God never wanted this. The command was basically to be obedient, to listen to him. And that obedience was dishonored by disobeying God. And so now we're dealing with all of these issues, primarily the injection of sin into the society. So in plain terms, Jesus died for the sin of the world. So when he was on the cross, the sins and the consequences of sins fell upon him. So that if you believe that his cross and the resurrection was what it was, that it was the work of God making available the redemption of mankind, of humankind, if you will believe that, then you will be saved as you make Jesus Christ Lord over your life. But also consider that if it is not addressed and you just try to sweep it up under the rug, Though it is very possibly hard to talk about those things, to bring those things to the light, the effects of them are going to approach the doorsteps of your children. And they will be fighting against something that they have no knowledge of. And if they don't have any knowledge of it, then they will not be prepared to fight what is causing them detriment and destruction. It says almost along the lines of keep your friends close and your enemies closer. You have to have an intimate understanding of what sins you wrestle against, what temptations you wrestle against so that we can ask Jesus Christ to apply the extra force, the extra strength, the extra authority and stomping those things out so that they don't go no further than the life that you're breathing right now. Sin must be addressed. Do it now. It doesn't just go away on its own. 
It doesn't live or stay up under the rug. Things must be addressed with the living God and we ask the Lord's help. I had to address my sins. And seemingly I went into mental illness because of things that I've done. The guilt of my sin, the condemnation that I imposed on myself and the thoughts that I had of self-condemnation. It knocked me out. It literally wiped me out spiritually, mentally, and I had no defense other than the hymns that of, my, of my grandmother that she allowed me to hear as she took us to church when, it, when I was a child. But other than that, as an infant slash unsaved person struggling against a stronghold and a warfare that just came out of nowhere. It was revving up. I didn't even know what it was until it reached a certain threshold and I was being overwhelmed and I knew in my heart that I wanted to live. But it, if it had not been for Christ, if it had not been me remembering the hymns and the songs that were sang in the churches when I was a young boy, but I didn't call out to the Lord, hearing the testimonies of Jesus saving many, raising the dead, healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, making the lame and causing the lame to walk, forgiving, teaching, feeding. These are the stories I heard. I said in my soul, I need this right now because I wanted to live. It was presumed I, that I would die as a voice would say to me, just like some family members, this is when I was struggling, in the season of struggling against mental illness, a, a voice, a thought came to me. And the thought was, just like I took such and such out of the way, this family member out of the way. I'm going to take you out as well. And I said, <laughs> it ain't going to be me. I'm going to be well. I'm going to live. And to this day, praise be to God through Jesus Christ. I am still alive and an overcomer of mental illness. But I had to address what God saw as wrong that I was saying or making excuses for as right or okay. Don't let the world fool you. What's okay with the world 
isn't always okay with the Lord. And the wisdom of the world, the Bible says, is foolishness to God. Because the world sees as foolishness the cross of Christ, which is a cross that saves men unto eternal life. But sin and your little secrets and the stuff that you got up under your rug in the back of the back of your closet, you got to pull that stuff out. Because whatever you don't clean out or filter through and throw away in your lifetime, it's going to be left to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And they, not may, and they may not be ready to deal with the demons who you left on the playing field in your time that God had given you the authority to crush and remove the heads from their shoulders. Don't leave no demon hanging around your generation. Deal with them, address them, crush them, and tell your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren how Jesus Christ redeemed you and brought you from where you were. Address sin. Do it now. Do it quickly. Do it. In Jesus' name, I love you. Amen. 77 times 7. That's a number of times Jesus told Peter that he must forgive those who offend him. When we hear that passage, we compare our lives and think about all the people who offended us or did us dirty, did us wrong. And immediately we go to our thought process that, but they don't deserve it. They did this. They don't deserve this. They did that. And we keep them in our our chamber, our holding cell spiritually to rot, to pay for the consequences of their wrongdoing towards us. But Jesus said to forgive 77 times seven to honor the Lord, to honor the Father, in that he knows and he knew in the days of Peter that forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for the benefit of your own soul and well-being. Hi, my name is Terrence Harris. This is currently Renewing the Mind Ministry podcast. We will be converting to a new podcast called Rising Well, but the goal will still be the same. It's for the edification of the believers and for the salvation and sanctification of those who have yet to come to faith in Christ Jesus. So when we look at this 77 times 7, that's a lot of times that we must forgive someone. But did you know that forgiveness 
And forgiving is not a feeling. It is a knowing. And it is an act out of obedience. Not an act of how you feel about a person or where your heart posture is towards a person. See, when you forgive, you side and have the mindset and heart that is in, in agreement and in fellowship and in right standing with the Heavenly Father through Christ. When you do not forgive, the representation of not forgiving is judgment. We understand that those who are not forgiven are due to judgment. These are the words of Christ. Those who are forgiven, alive with Christ by the Holy Spirit, and in due time, eternal life with the Heavenly Father forever and ever. When Jesus was on the cross, he experienced the worst of it. Innocent man, yet being spat on, hit, cursed, accused, mocked. And we think all that Jesus Christ had done, dying a sinner's death, yet they treated him like he was the worst of criminals. His own people, the people that the Lord sent him to, said, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Let Barabbas free. Crucify this person called Jesus Christ. And we look at our own lives and we realize that life itself is a furnace and a crucible. The good news and the good thing is that we have a high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses and knows the flesh, the trials of the flesh, because Jesus Christ, being fully God, was fully man, walking the earth in the flesh in the likeness of men. So he was tempted, he was tried, he experienced pain and hunger, and the Bible says that he was a man of sorrows, didn't have a place to lay his head. Even the foxes had holes, even the birds had nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. He experienced cold. He had experienced depression and anxiety to no, to no end. You know how that feels. Yet by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus arose. All power and authority while forgiving those who crucified him on the cross. And in contemporary culture, or even the media representation of Jesus Christ, they have him on a cross, and they have the, the tunic around his waist, and he drops his head in the crowns. But, but keep in mind the scripture where it says that they cast lots and they do dice for his clothing. 
So yes, Jesus Christ, although he's represented on the TV or movies and films as having a cloth wrapped around his waist, but for the purpose of utter dishonor, Jesus Christ was actually on the cross naked. There is no other way to be able to cast lots and throw dice for his clothes if they're on him on the cross. And so when we think about the hurt that we've experienced by someone and the, the pain and they've caused, and some things are definitely understood where the frustration and the anger and the disappointment and the, and the hurt is present. In addition to that, not to minimize our feelings and our experiences, we forgive, not based on how we feel about the other person, but we forgive desiring to be in right standing, in right heart posture towards our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And as we pray, for the other person and pray for ourselves that we honor the Lord in our hearts, in our thinking, in our words towards the other person who hurt us. As we set our desire on pleasing God, the Lord will meet us where we are. And over time, as he works on our heart. The experience might remain, but the pain, the healing process, he will conduct in his hands. It is a consistent asking, it's a consistent statement of, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, help my heart to truly, truly, truly forgive them. Lord, will you please take away the sting of bitterness, of anger, of frustration, of disappointment that I have towards this other person? Because we do understand, let us understand that the enemy is not created in the image of God. The enemy is the enemy. The enemy is the one who fell from heaven, who hates the image of God. That means he hates God himself, ultimately meaning that he also hates you and me. And so there's a consistent prayer petitioning to the Lord that the devil be removed from the details. Lord, will you... Silence the lion, silence the enemies, his accusations, his temptations. Help us to flee from them because conviction of the Holy Spirit is leading you to know having intimacy with God's righteousness. Forgive, speak it. Earnestly desire it from the Lord that your heart has the ability to forgive. Ask for it. Request it. 
the God of the universe, the God of all creation, of heaven and earth, omniscient, omnipresent, he's sufficient, he's all-powerful, he has all authority. And since this is true, he has the ability to inject himself into your life situation according to his will, according to his good pleasure, according to your wholeness in Christ. Forgive. Forgive until it is true. Forgive until your heart knows that it is well with your soul. Forgive. And do not go to sleep until you have made sure that you've had the meeting with the Father, letting him know that you want whatever that is in your heart towards a person or a thing or a certain experience to be done away with. Lord, remove the pain, the guilt, the shame, remove the hurt, remove the, the, the condemnation that I'm experiencing, remove the depression, remove the anxiety, Father God, if it is not in your will that I experience this. Show me what to do. Tell me what I need to do. Is it forgiving this person? Is it letting a certain accusation or a certain action that I've experienced or an action that I have done towards some person? Is there anything that I need to put on your altar that I need to confess to you? I will forgive it. Job, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. Job sacrificed... To the Lord on the behalf of his sons and daughters, just in case they sinned against the Lord. I'll say that again. Job sacrificed to the Lord. He made petitions of confession and asking for forgiveness. just in case his children sinned against the Lord. We want a heart like that. And in the midst of being a victim or in the midst of being wronged, that is not our first thought. The first thought is this person needs to pay or I'm going to figure out a way to make this person pay for what they did. That is not the way. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Also, the Bible says that do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction for whom the Lord loves. He will correct as a father loves the son in whom he delights. If there is a wrong. Clear yourself. Clear your soul. And leave the work that needs to be done in the situation that is now outside of your control to the work of the Lord, to the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not step out of line attempting to rectify a situation that is in the power and authority of Oni, the living God. Do your part. Forgive. Ask for a healed heart. Ask for God's healing and restoration in your soul so that you may 
continue to imitate the image of the living Son, Jesus Christ. I pray for you and I love you. Take care.